Welcome to State of Health Podcast. This is your host, J-Mart. On this podcast, I will share my knowledge and experience as a personal trainer and health coach and talk about my interests and experiments in physical training, nutrition, and other lifestyle factors involved in health. On this episode of the podcast, I'm going solo on the D, vitamin D that is. Here's what I cover. What is vitamin D and what does it do? Where do we get it from? What is the optimum level of vitamin D3 in the blood and what is defined as vitamin D deficiency? I also include a top 7 list of factors which affect vitamin D production and use in the body. They are use of sunscreen, melanin, age, levels of magnesium, boron and vitamin K, and lastly body fat content. So, if all that sounds interesting, then this podcast episode is for you. Oh yeah, by the way, now that Spotify has ratings for podcasts, could you give State of Health a 5-star rating? Just kidding. You can give any rating you want. Just give the podcast a rating so there are more eyeballs that see it. Just before we get started, this is a reminder that you can get started with my free bodyweight training program, Body Basics, which requires no equipment by going to subscribepage.com slash bodybasics. Also, if you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to smash the like button for the YouTube algorithm, hit subscribe if you like the content, and hit the notification bell too. If you're listening through a podcast app, could you please share the podcast with a friend who may also enjoy listening and discussing it with you? All right, here's the episode. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me on another episode of State of Health. I'm your host, Jmart, and this is my health education podcast. The title of today's episode is called Get a Big Dose of the D because we're talking about vitamin D. <laughs> Don't take that joke too seriously. It's just for fun. Just as a heads up for those listening to the podcast without watching the video, I will have a row of slides to help along with the presentation to go along with what I'm talking about. So please feel free to check that out. I will post it on YouTube, but you're fine to just listen to it through whatever podcast application you're using. <laughs> so here I have my title slide here with a bunch of meme jokes about vitamin D. Uh, I'll just maybe describe it real quick for some, for the listeners. I have a picture of the sun looking at a woman and just saying that she wants the D, but it's that vitamin D. <laughs> Then we have a picture of the first world problems lady and she's crying about the fact that we stopped buying vitamin D fortified milk. So now I have to actually go outside. <laughs> and last but not least, we have, we have the winter is coming meme, of course, with uh, Sean Bean. Winter is coming. Better start taking my vitamin D. <laughs> so, yes, let's start with the what question. What is vitamin D? Here is my definition of vitamin D. Vitamin D is a nutrient and a fat-soluble steroid hormone. And on the top left corner here, we also have a structure of vitamin D if you're interested in looking at the molecular structure, but that's less important. Let's break that down. What does nutrient mean? A nutrient is a substance that is used by an organism to consume and to use it to survive, to grow and reproduce. So we've got many nutrients. We often think of the macronutrients and the micronutrients. So we have carbohydrates, protein, fat. We've got vitamins, minerals, and water, of course. So that's the definition of a nutrient. Vitamin D fits into that category. It is also a fat-soluble hormone. 
A hormone is a signaling molecule that is transported to distant organs to regulate physiology and behavior. For vitamin D in particular, it gets produced in the skin and then it is released through the bloodstream into different organs of the body. And here in this image on the right here, we can see many, many different parts of the body, many of the organs on which vitamin D has an effect. All these target tissues, they range from brain tissues, spinal cord, to all the different organs such as lungs, heart, spleen, and so on. Now, of course, vitamin D is most well known for helping the body absorb and retain calcium and phosphorus, which is important for bone mineralization. But as you can see here on this image, many of the body's tissues and organs have receptors for vitamin D, which does suggest an important role in health beyond just the bone mineralization, bone health. Here's a study from 2019 that supports the idea that vitamin D's got an important role to play in health besides bone health. In this study, they say that vitamin D has a direct effect on the epigenome and the expression of more than a thousand genes in most human tissues and cell types. This is by Carlsberg from 2019. All right, now let's move on to a where question. Where do we get vitamin D from? Well, there are two sources. We can either get it from sunlight or through diet. Let's go through the mechanism of how we get it through sunlight first. So in your skin, you have this substance called 7-dehydrocholesterol, which is basically like the raw material for vitamin D synthesis. When UVB radiation from sunlight hits your skin, it breaks down 7-dehydrocholesterol and converts it to vitamin D3, or colcalciferol. Then vitamin D is transported into the blood and eventually makes its way into the liver. Once in the liver, vitamin D3 is hydroxylated by a group of enzymes in the cytochrome P450 family to become the active form of vitamin D3. 25-hydroxyvitamin D3 is also the major circulating form in the body. Those are the levels that are measured to know your vitamin D status. This is called a calcidiol test. The next step for the molecule to be fully active is to be transported into the kidney via the bloodstream again and to get hydroxylated one more time. Although 25-hydroxyvitamin D3 is already active, to be fully active, 25-hydroxyvitamin D3 needs to be converted to 125-dihydroxyvitamin D3, and the process is mainly carried out in kidney cells and some other immune cells such as monocytes and macrophages. So that's the sunlight or UVB pathway of getting vitamin D3. And then, and then diet, of course, is the next best avenue for increasing vitamin D levels in your body. The best sources of vitamin D3 are fatty fish, liver, eggs, fermented cheese, mushrooms, and of course, supplements of vitamin D2 and D3 and cod liver oil. Once consumed, whether through real food or supplement, the vitamin D3 will make its way to the liver and undergo the same process as previously described, where it gets hydroxylated to become 25-hydroxyvitamin D3 and then goes to the kidney to become 125-dihydroxyvitamin D3. Now, although we can get vitamin D3 from both sunlight and through diet, it's important to note that greater than 90% of vitamin D supply in our species is understood to be derived from exposure to ultraviolet B light, specifically from the sun. But there's a small issue with that. The fact is the farther you get from the equator, the less intense sunlight is, and therefore it is less capable of helping you create vitamin D3. And also during winter months, the angle of the sun in the sky is lower. So that means that the rays have to pass through more blocking atmosphere to reach your skin. 
but also the sun is above the horizon for fewer hours. Given those two facts together, basically during the winter time from months of November through February, at high latitudes, there's basically no vitamin D synthesis that occurs in the skin. Not surprisingly, this can lead to vitamin D deficiency. Before talking about deficiency, let's talk about what the optimal levels are. So optimal levels of 25-hydroxyvitamin D3 are between 30 and 80 nanograms per milliliter. You can get quite a bit above that before you feel any intoxication effects. You can get to quite as high as 150 nanograms per milliliter before intoxication can be uh, observed. Now, if you're below 30 nanograms per milliliter, you're considered insufficient. And if you go quite below 30, you will go all the way down to below 20 nanograms per milliliter. That's when you're defined as deficient, as vitamin D deficient. Now, given what I already said, you would expect that northern latitude areas would have higher levels of vitamin D deficiency. In fact, that's what we see. It is estimated that as high as 24% of the U.S. population is vitamin D deficient. That number rises up to 37% in Canada and 40% in Europe. This was a study by M. Ryan et al. from 2020. Now, vitamin D deficiency is no joke. It causes rickets in children, and it will precipitate and exacerbate osteopenia, osteoporosis, fractures in adults. Vitamin D deficiency is also associated with increased risk of common cancers, autoimmune disease, hypertension, and infectious disease. So it's important to make sure you're not vitamin D deficient. Now, the National Institute of Health recommends taking between 600 and 800 international units of vitamin D daily with a maximum tolerable amount of 4,000 international units per day. I personally take 10,000 international units every other day, which basically averages out to 5,000 I use per day, which is slightly above the maximum tolerable amount recommended by NIH. However, I have had a calcitol test done in the wintertime when I was taking the same level of vitamin D as what I just described. And at that time, my calcitol test result was 38 nanograms per milliliter, just inside the optimal level that I just described between 30 and 80 nanograms per milliliter, in fact, on the lower end. So it just goes to show that you should have your vitamin D tested to see whether following on the lower end around 600 to 800 IUs per day should be what you're uh, supplementing with, or should you be supplementing on the higher end? Definitely in the wintertime, you should be supplementing on the higher end. Okay, so now let's go over my top seven factors that affect vitamin D production and use in the body. Number one is an obvious one. Use of sunscreen blocks UVB radiation. Here in this study from 2019 titled The Effect of Sunscreen on Vitamin D Review, they show definitive studies where sunscreen use considerably abrogated or decreased the vitamin D3 or 25-hydroxyvitamin D production induced by ex exposure to artificially generated UVR or ultraviolet radiation. So very definitively, sunscreen blocks vitamin D production. So make sure to allow some sun exposure for adequate vitamin D levels. Factor number two is melanin in the skin. Of course, melanin provides pigmentation, which blocks UVB radiation. Here in this study from 2011, the overall prevalence rate of vitamin D deficiency was estimated to be almost 
And the highest rate was actually seen in the black community at 82%, followed by Hispanics at nearly 70%. So it stands to reason that people with dark skin need to supplement more than someone with lighter skin. Factor number three is aging. Aging reduces vitamin D production in the body significantly. Uh, here is a study from 2013 that says that production of 125 vitamin D is reduced by as much as 50% as a result of age-related decline in renal function. So that's a huge decline there. So again, supplementation should be greater in, in that population than average. Factor number four is low magnesium. So magnesium is important because it's an essential cofactor for vitamin D synthesis and activation. Here's a study from 2018 where the authors say that all of the enzymes that metabolize vitamin D seem to require magnesium, which acts as a cofactor in the enzymatic reactions in the liver and kidneys. Deficiency in either of these nutrients is reported to be associated with various disorders such as skeletal deformities, cardiovascular disease, and metabolic syndrome. So if you think you might be low on magnesium, then the best way is to try to increase your consumption of foods that are high in magnesium. So here's a small list of things that you could consider. First of all, uh, organs such as uh, heart, beef heart, is a good place to start. It's a good bank for your buck cut of meat. Uh, it's fairly cheap at the grocery store, and it's packed full of, packed full of magnesium. You can also try... Uh, fatty fish such as salmon, herring, mackerel, sardines. All those are good choices. Uh, also fermented cheeses. Make sure they're fermented and uh, aged well. Lastly, can't forget leafy greens. Leafy greens are, are important as well. So if you increase consumption of these foods in your diet, then you can start to work towards your increasing your magnesium levels, which can help vitamin D production and use. Oh, and I forgot avocados too. That's another good source of magnesium. Okay, factor number five, low boron. And why is boron important is because it increases the biological half-life and bioavailability of vitamin D. Here's a study from 2015 with a funny title that says nothing boring about boron, <laughs> where the authors say that boron has been proven to be an important trace mineral because it beneficially impacts the body's use of estrogen, testosterone, and vitamin D. It also boosts magnesium absorption which we also learned has an impa impact on vitamin D. Here's a list of foods rich in boron that you can include in your diet if you think you have low boron. Dried fruit, things like raisins, dried apricots, dates, prunes, these are rich in boron. Also nuts, almonds, hazelnuts, Brazil nuts, walnuts. Factor number six that affects vitamin D production and use in the body is levels of vitamin K. Vitamin K and vitamin D work synergistically together to support bone mineralization. Man, that's a hard word to say. Here's a study from 2017 where the authors say, current evidence supports the notion that joint supplementation of vitamin D and K might be more effective than the consumption of either alone for bone and cardiovascular health. And the list of foods high in vitamin K includes liver, Egg yolks in particular, meat in general, such as poultry, pork, or steak, or beef, <laughs> fermented cheese, and leafy greens as well. Although there's a difference here between the vitamin K in leafy greens compared to the vitamin K from animal sources. So I think if memory serves me right, in vegetables it's K1, and in animal sources it's K2. 
and we use in our bodies the animal sources and there's a an enzyme that can convert the one that you get from plants the k1 to k2 but a lot of people don't actually have i think the gene for it or they might have one copy i'm not exactly sure but i, I believe there's a lot of people don't that have a difficulty converting the k1 to k2 which is the one that the human body uses so uh, animal sources are, are superior in that sense Okay, and finally, the last factor which affects vitamin D production and use in body is increased body fat. So increased body fat actually reduces the bioavailability of vitamin D. And I wanted to get into this study specifically from 2000 titled Decreased Bioavailability of Vitamin D in Obesity because I thought it was a little bit of a neat study and I wanted to just jump into it a little in a little bit more detail compared to how I've been just not going in depth into any of the previous factors. So in this study particularly, they tested the skin's vitamin D production and its response to UVB radiation, and they submitted the subjects to whole body radiation. Now, because the peak blood vitamin D levels occur 24 hours after acute UVB radiation exposure, there were blood samples taken at one hour before the radiation, that was the base measurement, and then 24 hours after the radiation exposure. And then that way, changes in blood vitamin D levels over the 24-hour period would reflect the synthesis or production and transport of the vitamin D from the skin to the bloodstream. Now, if you look at this graph here, here you see that the base levels of vitamin D3 in the control group and the obese group to start off are not that different. It's slightly less than the obese, but the difference is not that stark. It's not statistically significant. 24 hours later, we see that there's a huge spike huge increase in both groups. However, there was also a difference between the two spikes. The spike in the obese group was 57% less than the spike in the control group. The obese subjects showed an attenuated response to UVB radiation. Now, interestingly, the percentage of conversion of 7-dihydrocholesterol, that raw material for vitamin D3 that I mentioned earlier, to vitamin D3 in the skin was actually not significantly different between the obese and non-obese subjects. So what actually happened was obesity had no impact on the skin's ability to produce vitamin D3, but it altered the release of vitamin D3 from the skin into the circulation. Because vitamin D3 is fat-soluble, it's easily stored in adipose tissue, so it gets sequestered in a larger body pool of fat of obese individuals. Now that's actually good because what that means is that oral vitamin D should be able to correct the vitamin D deficiency associated with, with obesity, but I think larger than usual doses would be required. Now what is interesting about the list of vitamin D deficiency risk factors is that they're very similar to the risk factors of COVID-19 high risk groups. And if you look at them, they actually strike a, quite the resemblance. And if you do some cursory research, you find that there's actually a large number of studies that find a connection between vitamin D deficiency and poor outcomes from COVID. Now, given that vitamin D is safe, it's inexpensive and widely available, even in countries with limited resources, I think recommending daily vitamin D supplementation for populations with limited ability to manufacture vitamin D from the sun itself, it has virtually no potential for harm and could potentially be something that may save lives. Having said that, we shouldn't over-rely on the belief that taking vitamin D will make us immune to COVID-19, but 
it would be unwise to not supplement if you're potentially vitamin D deficient. I think that's fair to say. Now, it would also be unwise not to supplement during the winter months if you live in a northern hemisphere, which is where I live, and that's right now, the winter months. So do as I do and supplement with vitamin D, and do as the title of this episode says, and go and take a big dose of the D. And with that, thank you, everybody. Jmart out. Thanks again for watching or listening till the end of the podcast. If you have any follow-up questions or comments, please reach out and let me clear up any uncertainty. Either leave a comment or send an email to newsletter at jmartfit.com. That's all I have for you today, ladies and gents. Connect with me on social media at jmartfit on Instagram and Twitter and jmartmoves on Facebook. Or get my free bodyweight training program through subscribepage.com slash bodybasics. Jmart out.